Hello all and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And the Strategic Whimsy Experiment is a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about the films that shape our lives. Today we are going to be reviewing the film The Menu. Alright, Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary for The Menu? Sure. A young couple travels to a remote island to eat at an exclusive restaurant where the chef has prepared a lavish menu with some shocking surprises. See, this was a tasteful IMDb IMDb, uh, summary because it doesn't give away too much. Yes. Well done. Well done, IMDb. All right. In sweet tradition, we'll start off with our one-sentence summaries. Sarah, what was your one-sentence summary for this movie? My summary is, men will literally create elaborate dining experiences instead of going to therapy. (laughs) Nice, nice. Therapy is very expensive too, but I imagine one session is a lot cheaper than this meal probably is at Hawthorne. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, well played. Um, My one sentence summary is, there are far greater depths of flavor beyond just the eat the rich flavor in this movie. Ooh, all right. I like it. Okay. So uh, this is a movie that we certainly will not spoil uh, the ending of. So we'll start off in this first section. Let's just share our initial thoughts about the menu. We'll keep it high level. Then we'll include a spoiler and then we'll have full reign. So Sarah, I'm very curious. What were your thoughts about the menu? I know this is one that we were both excited about, and I'm, I'm intrigued to hear if it lived up to the hype for you. Yeah, I, I had a great time with this. Uh, I was very pleasantly surprised. I, I was a little bit nervous uh, that they weren't going to be able to stick the landing on this one, but I, I think that they did. Um, and, and it just, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, which is kind of a weird thing to say given the subject matter, but it's a really fun movie. There are a lot of moments of humor woven throughout, which I wasn't expecting. Uh, I I was just in love with the score and the cinematography. Uh, there's a lot of really fun things that they do, uh, especially around like the way that we as a culture love like cooking shows and and food shows and so there are little moments like where you get to see like a a a, a plated dish from all of these different angles and it'll list everything that's in it and so it's in some ways it's like poking fun at our obsession with like food shows which i thought was really funny um it's just it was good performances interesting concepts that i'm i'm very excited to unpack cuz I, I've thought about some of the larger themes, but I'm sure that we'll go way more in depth uh, on this one. So yeah, all around, great time with this film uh, and and was pleasantly surprised that it, it lived up to the hype. I too was nervous going into this movie. Um, this is a movie that you and I had, I think, known about for quite a long time, at least a couple of weeks, if not a couple of months. Uh, the trailer looked fabulous it has like everything that I love about movies like there's there's the comedy but there's also just so much social commentary and satire and black comedy woven into this as well 
And I was worried like you that it would just be an interesting premise that ultimately we would have a conversation about like all the things we want it to be. And this movie actually did way more than I was expecting it to do. Um, There are so many themes packed into this film, which is kind of what I was alluding to in my one sentence summary, which is that there are the more you think about this film and each scene and each beat in this film feels so intentionally crafted like the food in this in this uh, Hawthorne experience, but each part felt so intentional and are introducing ideas for us to just think about. And I, I appreciated that the film continued to complicate its premise uh, with each successive scene. Um, I think the risk that I was worried that this film might fall into is that it's an interesting premise, but after the first 20 minutes, we kind of get it and it just continues to play that one tone throughout the rest of the film. And this film continues to bring new and interesting ideas. I was on the edge of my seat throughout the film. Um, Lots of cool twists and turns and um, interesting meaning behind each of those twists and turns, which... I just appreciate it a lot. So I think we'll have a really interesting conversation. This ushers in so many topics, like you mentioned, and uh, overall just like really well executed. And I love that the, that this is a theater experience. I think that this movie would have felt different had it gone straight to a streaming platform. So um, I was grateful we got to experience it in a theater as well. I think every emotion is heightened um, and it deserves that grand experience. So. Yeah, I loved it. Mm -hmm. This is one to definitely see in theaters uh, because it it just won't be the same. Like there's something about being able to be immersed in this world that you can't quite get uh, as well when you're streaming. So this is one to see in theaters for sure. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. You are immersed in this world that – the, the chef has created, uh, truly. Okay, I feel like it's hard to talk about this movie without talking about the plot. So this feels like an apt time to include our spoiler if you haven't seen the menu. As we've mentioned, we recommend seeing it out in theaters. It's still out in theaters right now, um, and it's definitely worth a watch. All right, we have full reign over this film. There are many things that this film covered, and Sarah, I'm curious what – was the most captivating to you? What did you find uh, your thoughts wandering to most after the, the film ended or even during the film? What themes or scenes really stood out to you? I think one of the themes that really stood out to me the most um, is, is how we can so easily live in this world of like abstraction. And that's something that we see throughout the film where this chef has created this whole experience and and it's all about this concept and and you only know what the concept is you only know the story at the end so it's just it's this very abstract thing that he's trying to create with food rather than actually like serving a meal that is to be enjoyed it's this like intellectual experience and i feel like that's just so easy for us to do we can take like very real tangible things like food and then we think like oh we elevate them so much that they become this abstract thing really separate from the actual 
reality of I need to eat food. I can eat food and enjoy the experience of eating. And I, I've just been reflecting on how, how we do that in all of these different areas of our lives and how easy it is to take like a very real and tangible thing and make it into this like abstract intellectual exercise. And I, that was just something that I saw throughout the film that I didn't expect to see in a movie all about food, you know? So it's just, it's, it's had me thinking about that and even trying to like catch myself when I'm, when I'm thinking about something in the abstract instead of actually like, oh no, let's, this is a very real thing. Let's talk about a real scenario as opposed to just this like abstract notion. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I, I wonder if in some interesting way, this film is almost advocating for like pure popcorn entertainment. There's this concept of like highbrow art and lowbrow art or entertainment, right? That it's exploring. Like the films like just eat the cheeseburger and enjoy the full juiciness in your mouth. And uh, there's there's like worth and and value in the simplicity of a ten dollar nine ninety five cheeseburger, um, and I know I mean it's it's quite obvious, but a lot of the film is kind of making a mockery of the like snobbery that that can surround something like the food experience. But I think the food in this in this film is almost like symbolic of just the art and entertainment that we consume in general, and uh, the film. I don't think is necessarily advocating for one or the other, but it is showing that there is so much value in people just being entertained or the simplicity of uh, certain types of food that don't need to be, like you mentioned, intellectualized. I think there's this whole interaction and conversation that Margot has with Chef around like, your food doesn't make me want to enjoy it. Like, it's intellectualized. It's it's all about the concepts and the intention behind it. And not that there isn't value in that as well, but when we lean so heavily into the abstraction and, and you know, serving up dishes that have like an absence of bread and there's only the dipping sauces, which I, I love that scene, but uh, it can be too much sometimes and um, take away from the value of just the simple pleasures as well. And it felt like that burger scene was kind of the the cherry on top to a point that the rest of the film was already clearly making, uh, but really hammering at home with that burger scene. And I, I loved that that point served so many different purposes because like, yeah, like it hammers home that that point and that theme without feeling too overhanded or heavy handed. And it also helps to further the plot along and wrap the entire story in a nice little bow. So it was just, it was so like masterfully weaved together. Cause I feel like sometimes, especially like this plot could have gone very, very wrong at a number of places and somehow they kept it together and all of these curveballs that are thrown and all of these different pivots that we take over the course of the film they all make sense together and it's it's that burger that really brings everything together uh and and you can walk away from the film satisfied and so it's just wow 
Who knew you could do so much with a cheeseburger? Amazing. Mm -hmm. Everything about that cheeseburger scene, to your point, shouldn't have worked. Like, yeah. it is kind yeah. of the obvious the obvious ending to a film that is is making a mockery of fine dining experiences, right? Like, to serve mm -hmm. up a cheeseburger, the, like, classical American food and all that kind of stuff. And to your point, I think it works because the – I'm curious for you what, what the momentum of the film was kind of anchored in. But for me, it was just being captivated by who this person, the chef, who is he? Who is, who is Julian Slowick? And what are his motivations? What are his intentions with this whole show that he's putting on, this menu that he's curated? What qualms does he have? And what is he trying to redeem somehow uh, through this whole orchestrated experience? Um, and that burger is this this insight into kind of the heart and the and the the soul and the, the softer side of him that we hadn't seen at all up until this point in the film. Um, so that burger felt like a a key or a um, a code into unlocking a little bit further who this person is. Um, who he was at some point in his life, you know that that photograph uh, that Margot discovers of of him and as a young man serving up burgers at what seems to be like an all American cook off or something like that. Like there is this essence that we've somehow tapped into that gives such insight and is such a contrast to the chef that we see in the rest of the film, who is incredibly exacting and and cynical and strict and. Uh, seems to be this like angel of justice that he is looking to um, carry out through this night. And there's this glimpse into who he maybe was before um, he became kind of the cynical version of himself that we see throughout the rest of the film. See, that's so funny because I – I didn't care about his backstory. I Really? No. Ah. I I – almost viewed this movie as like a game of chicken uh you know because he set up the, the premise is set up that he is going to kill everyone here tonight mm -hmm. that is a bold premise and I was just I was watching this movie and I'm like okay are you gonna take an exit ramp and so it just to me like that's what I was waiting for of like okay are you gonna actually deliver on what you said you were gonna do or are you gonna chicken out and so I got really nervous in that burger scene. I was like, no, you're going to chicken out like this really good movie. And you're going to make him cha have a change of heart. Ugh, so lame. And they didn't. And I was proud. So I, I think for me, that burger scene, it felt like the brakes were just like slammed on and we came to a stop. And I was like, oh no, this can go very, very bad. So I was just really happy that even with that scene and him returning to his roots and giving her the burger and, and finding joy in his craft once again, that they still went through and did it. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. that that really is what makes this movie so interesting and so different. Um, and then they ended it just so beautifully too. But I I was more interested in like the events and the premise as a whole rather than who is this character who has reached this extreme point in his life. 
And they, the, the dedication to that ending was fabulous um, because I think one of the, the, the threads throughout the film is Chef not knowing what to do with Margot. And in a way, we get both that somewhat redemptive ending and also we get the satisfaction of seeing Chef like execute on his plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a moment of mercy that he has for her, you know, this concept of givers and takers and which side are you on? Um, and, and there's a, I think throughout the film from the beginning when they meet, there's a sense of like, we are, we are not so different from each other. Like she is not of the rest of these incredibly rich privileged guests that have arrived for this meal. And so there's the satisfaction of seeing that she gets to escape and yet the rest of them will meet their fates. Um, and chef's plan is ultimately executed as he intended. Um, but I think that the fact that we get to have both makes that ending feel extra satisfying. Um, I think it would have been a different movie had she also been burned up with the rest of them. You know, I think that there's an interesting counterpoint and attention that is introduced by having her in the mix and for her ultimately have been given the opportunity to escape. Um, it offers, I think, a little bit more complexity than just let's burn the whole thing up, you know. And and the fact that she doesn't try to save anybody, you know, like she doesn't. Yes. Yeah, she doesn't <laughs> do anything noble. And I I really appreciated that, that again, like this movie is more complex. It isn't this like black and white, clear cut, movie but everybody you know has a good side and a bad side obviously like if you're killing a whole bunch of people that's not great so there's that but I I love that there wasn't this attempt to make her this person with a heart of gold who was going to foil this evil plan it was nah man she just wants to live and she gets to yes Yes. Thank goodness. That would have been, again, another infuriating ending to this film <laughs> had she been this, like, uh, redemptive figure that goes back and saves them. I do love, though, that they they include that, that brief moment of hesitation as she's leaving. She looks back, and I think it crosses her mind, and yet she chooses her survival instincts. You know what I mean? There's a moment where she's mm-hmm. looking back at all of them and realizing, like – I'm sorry, y'all, I gotta go. (laughs) Like, I can't save you. Um, And that paired with uh, the ending shot of her biting into her burger. I'm curious your thoughts about that final shot. It offered just like an interesting, again, an interesting trigger of, of ideas and questions in that final shot. So I'm curious how you interpreted her kind of menacingly biting into her burger, watching the whole thing burn up. Oh, I I read nothing into it. I was just like, she's she's hungry. I mean, think about it. Like, you haven't eaten. You've been running around. You had to kill somebody so that she didn't kill you. That's a lot of calories. You'd be tired. Why not eat the burger? <laughs> that is 100% where I was at. You were like, I've been in that hangry state before. Right? I get it. I there was this look of like, like satisfaction and menace in her eyes as well. And I was like, ooh, is there this interesting, like she is 
relishing in a little bit of seeing these privileged people in society also meet their fates. You know, like there is this sense of satisfaction that she shares with Chef as well. No, you were like, she's just hungry. I I can see that. I was just, I was like, girl, you enjoy that burger. It looks great. You got them fries too. You live your life, man. (laughs) Also, like she's on this boat floating in the middle of the ocean. Like she needs to take a beat and figure out what in the world she's going to do next. So why not eat this Mm -hmm. delicious burger? Great. The last uh, meal chef is ever going to make, she gets to eat it. That's great. Double patty too. Yeah. Double patty. Gosh, it looked so good. I was so hungry leaving the theater. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. See, the McDonald's fast food ads, like it all looks fake. That burger looked Mm. so real on screen. good. Mm. Yeah. That close-up shot of the juices like oozing down the side of the burger they, they knew what they were doing they knew what they were doing okay another thing that i thought was really interesting was kind of the foray of guests that were chosen to be a part of this hawthorne experience and specifically also the the choice in actors and actresses to play those roles. Um, you know, you, you, I think you have obviously a clear tasting flight, <laughs> a spectrum of different types of people that are generally at the top echelons of society. Um, they're, they're privileged. They are flawed in some ways, or they're contributing to kind of the, the corruptions in society. But I think a, a, a more simplistic version of this film would have cast all of those roles with, you know, middle-aged, older, white uh, actors. And I thought it was an interesting choice to also have many of those guests be people of color. Um, you know, the tech bros, all three of them are people of color. Uh, the the washed-up actor. I think it, it offers an interesting um, – commentary on society and that this this is obviously we, we've got the the old white dude um who was i think in some sort of politics or something like that and the corruption there but uh the positions of privilege are uh based on a lot of the based on these roles that they play and the industries that they're in and the corruptions that are rife in those industries and i think that that it adds another interesting level of discussion and complexity to what could have been a really kind of like in your face simplistic telling of the story of the rich and the poor um there's a lot more nuance that is introduced with the way that these roles are cast and the type of the industries that are represented in the room you know we don't have just the the classic businessman who is um middle-aged and white there's a larger variety and and um foray of folks that are in that room which i thought was really interesting yeah i i loved the inclusion of the tech bros uh because there's there's a lot of it's it's so easy to think that it's just like east coast old school like family money but that's that's not that's not it anymore you know i'll all the the tech startup and everything in like Silicon Valley and all of that, like that is where a lot of millionaires are are coming out of. And so I just I I love that that 
the, the reality of our situation today is actually reflected in this film rather than just doing what's always been done, you know, including what, what used to be uh, where wealth and corruption and all of those things were. And it's, it's a little bit different today. So it was just nice to see that that part of this like really fantastical premise is, is grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And it's like the, this acknowledgement of the power that those industries and, and the moguls that come from those industries hold in society. In the same way, I loved the inclusion of the food critic, not just the food critic also, but also her little sidekick as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the idea of like the power of words and the influence and impact that those words that we share and the opinions that we share uh, through media or online have real lasting impact on businesses and the families behind them. Like the, the, it kind of brings to light the, the, the people impact, the human side of what those words can affect in society. And I loved that inclusion. And the fact that the movie spends like a whole scene and quite a bit of time, like really digging into that piece of this. I mean, it's fitting the fact that this is about fine dining and the, the whole foodie culture is so uh, abundantly alive and well, but I think it applies to any any type of industry, especially in the like artistic realm, the, the impact that certain uh, people have and even just, you know, film Twitter, you know, like the impact of voices and opinions can snowball and can really affect the reception and livelihoods of the people behind them and I I love that in in some ways uh Lillian's sin or at least one of her one out of her many sins was her own vanity and uh there's that moment where chef is like just drilling her because he's like you relish the fact that I texted you to come here that's the reason why you're here. You wouldn't have come if I wouldn't have texted you. So it was this like playing on her, her vanity and how she has become this larger than life figure. And at, at one time, maybe she used her words to help, help up and coming restaurant tours and all of that, which is what she did for chef. But like, then it kind of like pivoted and she became so vain that she, she propped herself up by tearing other people down. So I just, I love that, that that is a major point that he pulled out of her. Uh, And I just, I thought that that was such an interesting thing to hone in on for, for the critic. Yeah, it's a really good point. It's a, it's a great example of the way that this film doesn't just stay in the realm of what's obvious or on the surface with these dynamics, but like, is pulling out the the exact nuances of what brought that person here, why they are a part of this crowd that is about to endure what Chef has unfolded. I I found that the the inclusion of that washed up actor really interesting. I think in a lot of ways he is probably the most sympathetic um, guest. And that is part of of this this Hawthorne experience, um, and in a lot of ways, it's 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 similar in nature with the food critic. It's it's his vanity and his desire to 
be known and, and he relishes in the attention of others. That is his, his sin. Um, but I, I found that the, the, he wasn't as, he, he was a lot more sympathetic than the other characters. And I think the movie perhaps has intentionally designed that to be this bridge with us as the audience and um, the guests that are about to endure this experience from from Chef because I think it it offers this interesting tension within ourselves of like, are, are we really on the side of Chef and, and rooting for seeing these folks meet their fates um there's this twinge of humanity that's included in with the inclusion of the actor at least for me personally i'm curious how you read the the inclusion of the washed up actor as part of this group yeah i did not read him as sympathetically as you did i Mm, i felt really bad for his assistant and i i disagreed with chef's choice to allow her to die with them um I, I think that she should have been let go. Everybody else I didn't care about, but I cared about her. Um, I think I think the reason why I didn't feel sympathetically toward the washed up actor is like right at the beginning when they just sit down for dinner and the assistant is like trying to quit. And she's like trying to like give all of his keys back and give all of this stuff back and is like, I'm, I'm done. Like, I'm I'm done with you. I'm quitting. I'm getting this other job. I'm doing this other thing. And I I really empathized with that like exasperation in her. And so I I viewed this dining experience for them as his attempt to manipulate her into staying working with him. And maybe that was just like a wrong read on my part, but I just saw him mm as this like manipulative guy trying to retain power over his assistant. Uh, and then ultimately because of his decision to bring her to this experience, she ends up dying. So I really did not like him uh, because I liked her and I wanted her to survive and she wasn't going to survive because of him. So you saw their dynamic as a little bit similar in parallel to Margot and Tyler's. Like she has been brought to this experience and is about to endure um, something that she didn't she didn't sign up for. Yeah, yeah, not not as bad or to the right. extent of Margot and Tyler, but it's definitely on that spectrum. Yeah, it brings up a, a I think one of the other themes of this film that I thought was like really interestingly woven into all of the like very creative plot points, but this this dynamic of gender roles and gender politics is is very much a thread throughout this film. I'm curious your thoughts on the way that the film tackled some of those things. Yeah. I don't know. I think I was focusing more on like the power dynamics rather than like gender dynamics. So even so like especially with that like movie star and his assistant. I was like there's clearly a power imbalance here and I don't like how he's using his power over her. Um, it was interesting to see like the food critic and I'm assuming that's her husband who was with her, uh, and oh, just to see, yeah, yeah I, I, read that. I didn't read that as, her. okay, interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I Ooh, read that fun. as her husband, which mm. maybe was just a wrong assumption on my part, but, um, 
I, I thought that that made that relationship super interesting. If she's the dominant one, she's the successful one. And he is just the husband that just helps her and does all of the other things. He ends up enabling her, which is not great. Um, but that's definitely how I read that relationship. So I, I definitely was thinking like more power dynamics than like gender dynamics and even seeing how, you know, chef has the power in not only the kitchen, but the dining experience as well until at the end, finally, Margot flips that on its head and is like, nah, man, I'm going to use your own tactics against you and I'm going to get out of here, which I thought was just a brilliant choice to use his own methods against him to get the better of him. It was great. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, the the whole course and the scene um, where Chef allows the men to like run off. I think it, they call it – oh, I don't remember what the name of the course was. It's not called The Mess. The Mess was the dude who um, – that was the first course where we really are ushered into this mm-hmm. experience, um, which that in of itself is a whole a whole conversation and topic. But um, the scene where essentially the, the woman who – is revealed through the film that uh, he had at some point in the past had like taken advantage of um, and sexually assaulted. And then she gets to design this course and there's the, the whole scene with um, her getting to kind of like make it right. I think she stabs him um, and the men are able to like run off. They get 45 seconds. I just thought that that was an interesting way to complicate the role and and the type of person that chef is like clearly there is this acknowledgement uh of his wrongdoings in the sense of justice that he he is attempting to make it right in this really strange twisted way and in the dynamics of a lot of the the guests the men have is suggested like no idea about their um the power dynamics and and the roles that they hold as men in the relationship, whether it's, um, you know, the the older couple um, who the the you know the older man has been like unfaithful and and the the woman in a lot of ways is portrayed in this film as kind of like trapped in his orbit and um, finding out about a lot of these things through the course of this dinner. There's the power dynamics between Tyler and Margot, which is really fascinating. The fact that she is um, a, you know, a hired uh, escort for him, like that, that whole dynamic. Um, it's just an interesting contrast between the guests, especially the male guests and their awareness of their positions of power and privilege and really the lack of awareness that they have in contrast to chef who has somehow like these these weird attempts to reconcile that, um, which is really fascinating. And I think it, again, complicates the role that we see Chef playing. Like in a lot of ways, he's the villain. He's here to kill everyone. And yet there are, there are aspects of his personality and um, the, the, the actions that he takes over the course of the film that are in some ways redeemable for him in comparison to our guests who should be the victims in this whole situation, right? So the way that the film plays with the power dynamics and our alliances and our loyalties is, um, I think, fascinating. It offers, 
again, a little bit more complexity than just the simple, like, here is this archangel of justice who is out to get everyone. And here are these people who are victims. Um, the re- film really, like, highlights and draws out these aspects of both sides that uh, play with our alliances, which I thought was really fun. The part that I loved about that scene is that when all of the men are like running out for themselves, except for Tyler, cause he's a moron, but running out for themselves, trying to save their own lives. Um, the women are all seated around a table together, sharing that course together. And I just, mm-hmm. I, I loved that contrast. And I, I really wondered if, cause there's this, this little thread throughout of, of these two different teams And it was this interesting moment where members from both teams come together and share a meal together. And I was really wondering at that moment, like, is something going to be like brokered here or is something going to change here? Because all of these women are sitting down and sharing a meal together. And I I just in that moment, I was kind of playing with like, oh, is this going to be the moment where the entire course of the plot changes because this meal was shared? Obviously, it's not. And we go really fun places in the movie. Um, so I thought that that was really smart. And then the other piece of that that meal that they shared that I loved is that you see both Margot and Lillian, the food critic, smoking. And earlier, like the, one of the first things in the film, Tyler goes on this whole thing of like, don't smoke, it ruins your palate, blah, 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 blah. And mm, I just, I loved that moment of... Mm-hmm. I to hell with it. We're going to die anyway. Might as well smoke it up. So I I just, I loved that because that really helped us get into their mindsets of like, okay, we're in this very stressful situation. Uh, Our lives are going to end. You know what? I'm going to do something to help relieve a little bit of that stress for a moment. Uh, And and it it also brought up for me like uh, questions about Lillian too. Like, is this just a like, oh, I need to relieve stress in this moment? Oh, this is available to me? Or is she not as good of a critic as she once was because she's ruined her palate over the years? So it it just, it introduced more questions for me about Lillian and who she is as a character that are never answered. But it was just these little things in that scene that I absolutely loved that they did. Or is it all just a show for her anyway? Like she's making up half the stuff that she's commenting on anyway, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that you picked up on that detail. That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't notice that they had both been smoking. That's fascinating. It also just invalidates Tyler's previous point a little bit as well. You know what I mean? Like he's kind of looking down on her and and kind of mansplaining her a little bit by, by making that comment about her smoking. And uh, here she is with the greatest food critic, apparently, of all time. And they're doing the same thing, you know? <laughs> like, to hell with you, Tyler. Which, okay, can we talk about Tyler? Because he sucks. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was just well-designed that he gets his own death and it happens before anyone else. You know, that felt very fitting. Because in a lot of ways, it kind of um, – takes his sins and I think that there's an extra layer of uh, intensity and, and, and twistedness in 
his the fact that he was so aware of the stakes of this dinner and intentionally brought this innocent person to this meal like there's there's like an extra layer of menace and just like utter lack of like humanity and all of that that I feel like the film sets him apart in a lot of ways and calls out that uh by giving him his own death he doesn't die with everyone else he doesn't die with the s'mores thing at the end you know like he is he gets his own death in this film um because I think his sins are the, the fact that there was an awareness there I think sets him apart from many of the others who you could argue might be aware as well but you know there's like a like a difference in their sins there's less of an intention behind them I think than you get with Tyler was very very clearly aware of the stakes and i i love that he is shamed uh because he makes himself out to be this expert on all of the things and he watches everything that chef has done and he knows all of these gadgets in the kitchen and yada yada blah 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 but when it comes down to it he cannot cook he is just a he's just I don't know, pretending. He's just a phony. Uh, And I I love that Chef is like, nah, man, I'm not going to stand for you treating this girl this way, first off, but also trying to puff yourself up as this incredible chef when you can't hang in the kitchen. And I I love how, how intentional that takedown was. It was specifically designed to take down Tyler. And it was great to watch because he sucked. And so it was, I loved it. I was like, yeah, chef, you get him. <laughs> the satisfaction. Yeah. And that and it plays for just some great comedic beats as well. You know, that whole yes. shot, yep. the close-up shot of his dish, which they've named Tyler's bullshit and the description of like undercooked lamb and blah, 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 blah. It was just, it was a lot of fun too. The movie had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. yeah and, and even like as he was preparing the way that chef was just like mocking him like oh an interesting new cutting technique okay <laughs> like it was great that's one thing that I really appreciate about this film as much as it tackles all these big topics and whatnot the film n- manages to have a lot of fun and it strikes this perfect balance between comedy and tackling these very relevant topics it's 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 violent and visceral in a lot of ways as well, um, but it and it d- never leans too heavily in any of those flavors, shall we say? You know, it's not overly comedic. Um, the pacing of those comedic bits are perfect. Um, there are these like sharp, biting scenes as well. Like the film strikes a really great balance between all of those uh, flavors, and it easily could have fallen too heavily in one or the other or of the many other aspects of this film. So I just, I think that that perfect or- orchestration of those bits were really great. Yeah, I was, I was surprised at how funny this was. I did not expect this to be a funny movie. And there are moments <laughs> yeah. of true humor all throughout, which mm-hmm. is pretty incredible given the, the subject matter, the premise, everything. And, and yet, it's it's quite funny. Ralph Fiennes is having the time oh, of yeah. his life in this movie. He does an incredible job. He's perfect for this role, but you can tell he's having a great time. 
Yes. I, I love it when you can tell that an actor is having fun. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like a few of the, like, I even feel like Nicholas Holt was having fun in this movie yes. as well, yes. which is, mm-hmm. it's funny to say, given what happens to his character, but it just seemed like quite a few of them were having just such a good time with this. And then it made us have a good time as the audience. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Totally agree. All right. What else do we want to cover? So one of the big questions that I had about this was how did Chef get all of the other chefs to go along with this plan? <laughs> mm-hmm. That that was like my biggest question because there were a lot of them and they all were like, yeah, man, I, I'm down. Let's do this. Like, what? How do you, how, how, how? I, I just, that was my resounding question as I walked out of the, the theater. It was mm. like, what, what was it about this chef that he was able to do all of this and get all of these people to willingly die? And I just, I, I could not come up with a reason. And so that was, that was the, the unnerving thought that I left the theater with and I'm glad that the movie didn't answer that question because it 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 wouldn't have been as impactful I don't think if we would have known the answers but I I would really love a little tiny mini series where I get to meet each and every one of these chefs and like what happened in your life to land you in this particular restaurant to the point where you're like yes this is this is my next step I, yeah, it was just, it it was fascinating to think about. Yeah, that's the whole aspect of this film that I feel like is intentionally woven in there as well, which is like the the dynamics of the kitchen. Um, And I, I never worked in the kitchen. I don't know the dynamics here, but in reading a lot of the reviews, it sounds like that just this, this like exacting structure. I think this is like our fascination with shows like Hell's Kitchen and Gordon Ramsay, like these celebrity chefs that are like so revered and respected and the sous chefs and the workers almost being like this like the faithfulness and the obedience and almost this like military fashion is just like kind of captivating to us, I think, which is why shows like Hell's Kitchen and and whatnot um, have taken off. But yeah, they almost feel like a cult, you know, I was kind of fascinated by uh, Elsa. She's she's kind of like uh, chef's right-hand uh, woman, um, his sidekick in a lot of ways. And you can just feel the level of awe and respect and just faithfulness and loyalty that she has to him. Um, so yeah, the, the, the cult-like dedication um, was kind of fascinating. It, it seems to be pulling from some truth in these fine dining kitchens um, of the level of just like faithfulness and grueling work required that you really are like giving over your blood, sweat, and tears in your life for. Um, but man, fine dining culture. Yeah. And I, I, I loved the, the fact that the movie opens with like a tour of the little island and so you can see that they they live together and 
everything is uniform, everything is meticulous. So there's this, there's this feeling of absolute control when you're on the island. And Chef and Elsa are both in complete control the entire time. So it's just fun to set that up. Like this is a perfect environment. Everything is perfectly controlled. And then you see the introduction of Margot as like the speck of dust that begins to mess up this perfect environment. Uh, And everything kind of comes off the rails from there. So I think that that's also another interesting component of it is is control and perfection and and uniformity uh, that's all throughout and is a part of fine dining experiences, I assume. I don't know. <laughs> Give me a $10 burger. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And there's this whole monologue, I think, that uh, Chef gives at some point around like the the fact that the people that come – to experience his art have no understanding of it you know there's this bit that he gives around like don't just eat like taste Mm -hmm. um and so there's this sense of I think um bitterness maybe is not the right word but there's this sense of bitterness that I think he and perhaps the other chefs have around the fact that their craft is being used as just a way for people with privilege and with wealth to to showcase their wealth because they are the ones that can afford this meal, but that they don't truly appreciate and savor the effort and craft and intentionality that it went into it. You know, that whole um, interaction with chef and uh, the rich white dude where he's like, you've been to my restaurant 11 times and experienced this, like name one dish and the man can't name a mm-hmm. single dish. You know, it's just like – it's it's their their art being used as a symbol of status uh, for the the people that come versus those that truly come and can appreciate and um, and savor what they've created uh, and and to your point earlier in a lot of ways like the food critics should be the one that can truly appreciate their art and yet even her she is using this as a symbol of her status and for her own vanity versus really appreciating the art and intention that went behind it. Um, so potentially there's this just like this like cynicism and this this uh, anger or this bitterness that the people that have come have like the, their art is being totally just like fallen on deaf ears in some ways mm. all right yeah that like disillusionment and and disdain for mm-hmm. the people all right. Yeah. Yeah. We can, uh, we can go with that. That works. That. <laughs> You're like, I don't know if I would like give my life over for that. And no, myself up, but. no, I, uh, you know, like the, the through line of this for me is that everybody in this movie needs therapy and, uh, <laughs> we could have solved a lot of problems. We could have prevented a lot of murders, probably mm-hmm. started some really good independent restaurants uh, you know, I, I think that there was another path here for everyone in this movie. Had there been some really good therapists uh, able to speak into their lives, you know, work out some of these yeah. issues early on. Right, right. An island yep. for an island retreat <laughs> for healing yes. and reconciliation. Absolutely. Instead of murder and mayhem. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Very different type of movie, indeed. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I do think it it is if we zoom out for a bit. It's it's an interesting and I think a a great choice for Mark Malo to choose food as the medium to communicate these ideas because inherently like everyone can relate to food. Everyone's dined out. Everyone is most have watched, you know, these elite cooking shows or been exposed or know are aware of it. And many can probably feel the sense of barriers and distance from this like elite food culture. And, you know, most folks have experienced food. It's food is incredibly like emotional for a lot of people. Um, you know, the, the home cooking, the food of their parents or the food of their cultures. Like it is a such a shared universal human experience. And yet it is also this place that um, separates uh, cultures. It separates classes uh, of societies. It is, it is a lot of ways about access. And it's just such a smart choice to communicate these ideas of societal dynamics because inherently everyone can relate to some aspect of the ideas communicated in this film. And so I just, I thought that was a really smart choice. We've seen so many films that tackle these ideas of um, class structures and power dynamics and, and whatnot, but it's an interesting choice and a creative premise and just a smartly chosen one. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I definitely think like you mentioned, it's the, that, that barrier between the haves and have nots, you know, like, um, we all need food to survive. Like it is a basic human necessity, but we've, we've done so much with food and it can be so many different things and it can mean different things to different people. And so even though it's this very basic thing, there's so much meaning attached to it, depending on the context that you find it in. And so we get to see high-end fine dining where it's just this weird abstracted experience that doesn't mean anything uh and then we get to see the 10.99 or the 9.99 cheeseburger and fries that it's a good guess a lot of people have eaten uh so i just love that we even get to see the full spectrum of what food can be uh it, it was just great we get to see so much of it in so many different contexts within this little movie. Yeah. And to your point that you're mentioning earlier about like the abstraction and intellectualization of, of a lot of things in our life, you know, the, there's a, a whole bit that um, Margot says to chef about how his food is absent of love. And I thought that was just really fascinating. Like the, in the pursuit of this highbrow elite experience, it can sometimes muffle the humanity and the heart and soul of this craft. And in a lot of ways, I think that's what she taps into when uh, she asks him for a burger and she's seen that photo. And clearly there is, you know, this love that he at some point had for cooking and she taps into that and kind of it's his Achilles heel in a lot of ways. But um, that's what she taps into is that there is, there was care, there was a sense of serving and giving and, and creating, uh, 
an act of love and and whether it's for um you know a mother for the family or a father for the family and parents cooking for their children or it's people who love to cook and that being their motivating factor um in the pursuit of fame and and in pursuit of of this elite craft it can snuff out the the heart and humanity behind like why you got into it in the first place and I love that she taps into that as well. And that 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 line she says to him I thought was so apt. Like your food is absent of love. And I loved that bit. And it is why when people ask if I cook, I say no, because my food is absent of love. <laughs> and so it tastes like trash. So I just don't cook. Purely Problem functional. Solved. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so funny yeah you know functional is good though you know mm-hmm. we need the yep we Absolutely. need to just eat the bread without all the like fancy dipping yeah, sauces sometimes we just Oof. need to get the bread in the body so we I can love bread do yes. our thing give me all yeah. the bread <laughs> yeah all right any other last thoughts about the menu before we wrap up uh i have two things uh Pinky rings and then a continuity oh. error. Oh, okay. Pinky <laughs> rings, let's start with pinky rings. Okay, pinky rings. Uh, so Lillian, the food critic, is wearing a pinky <gasps> no ring. Oh my gosh. Our first female data point that we know of, that we know of. There probably were some, but we just usually yeah. are not looking for those. Laura wow. Dern had one on in that last Jurassic Park movie and joey king had one on in bullet train so it was like a one in one like one good one bad pinky mm. ring for women so this is another in the bad column uh it's a little more mixed on the women's side uh and then uh paul edelson's character ted uh his lillian's helper husband whoever he was to her he also wore <laughs> a pinky ring ah so the two of them both yeah Which is also interesting, like given all of the people in this, that those were the two that wore the pinky rings, I thought was very interesting. Mm, Yeah, yeah. And that's fascinating. And the and the fact that both of them as well. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Continuity error. Uh okay, so after uh Chef is stabbed in the leg and then the girl wipes the blood on his jacket um when she's first wiping the blood it's like very very grouped together and like you really can't see like her finger lines it's just like one solid like thing of blood and then all throughout it looks a little bit different on his jacket uh it's not quite as solid and so that feels like a big one you know we should get the splotch of blood blood right (laughs) It was it was really quick that okay. that swipe of her like wiping it on and then like for the rest of the movie it was the same it looked different from the initial swipe so uh, I'm okay. like I'm hey man I haven't wiped blood on somebody before so maybe like the blood dried weird I don't know but it looked very different from when she did her initial swipe so. You know, I'm just I'm <laughs> I'm I'm grateful that you have not had the experience of wiping blood on someone. Yeah, this is very me too. good. Yes, how do you? Thank you. you. 
I've, I've made it Let's this far. This. <laughs> yes, we're gonna keep this streak going. Yes, oh, man. not gonna stab people in the leg and then wipe it on their chef's jacket. That's just not in the cards for me, and that's great. I love that for oh, me. Oh man, I love it. Oh my gosh, yeah, uh, that's a good one. That's a good one. You were, thank you, you. See, this is this is why you are such a observant moviegoer because you are observing the artistic shapes of the blood swiping across <laughs> into white whereas i'm just like oh my god that's blood on screen and like it's like <gasps> but um, like i count I pinky rings but i miss like large themes because i'm not good at metaphors so you know it's a real mixed bag over here <laughs> i love it i love it it's a it's a superpower that that you are divinely blessed with so it is a weirdly specific superpower that has no practical function outside of this podcast which hey we're building we're building an incredible (laughs) database of data points from key characters and films very but surely yeah we've got we've got an increasingly successful case here and a thesis Mm -hmm. that we're not yet published but you know we're gathering data yeah yeah, and I I will happily gather pinky ring data because uh, mm-hmm. I I can't stop. So here we are. <laughs> can't stop, won't stop. I love it. All right. Well, this was our review and discussion of the menu. You can find it available out in theaters. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. This podcast is fueled by our passion for stories and connection and is something we continue to do each week solely because we love it. This is our strategic whimsy experiment and we encourage you to find a way to infuse whimsy into your day. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a review letting us know your thoughts about the menu. You can connect with us on Instagram at strategic whimsy experiment on Twitter at Strategic Whimsy, or you can email us at strategicwhimsyexperiment at gmail.com. We will be back next week to discuss the film The Fablemans. We hope you have an amazing week, and we'll see you very soon. 